All right, have fun, kiddos. I'm uh, <clears throat> losing my voice a little bit this morning. That's not my voice, but. <clears throat> so I may need Mark to give me some more water at some point, but uh, I'll wait for him to get it all. There we go. I think we're okay. So if you have your Bible, you can turn with me to a Philippians chapter 2. Oh, thank you. I, I will probably make it through this morning and then not be able to talk tomorrow. So um, if you call me tomorrow, I might not answer. But <clears throat> So we are going to finish up uh, chapter 2 of Philippians. We're going to start in verse 19 this morning. If you could go ahead and turn there with me. And if you're taking notes, <clears throat> the title of today's talk is Building His Church. So um, as I was studying... The text this morning, or studying the text this week, um, I was thinking of uh, when I started as a youth pastor, I was uh, 20 years old. I, I remember myself being 19, but Cassie remembers me being 20, so probably I was 20. Um, for all those who are married out there, your wife probably remembers better than you do. Um, but I didn't know much about what it meant to be a pastor of teenagers. I didn't know how to run a youth group. I hadn't been to seminary or any of those types of things. Um, I didn't know how to teach the word on a regular basis, um, but it, all of a sudden I was in charge of this group of 30-ish teenagers and uh, in a full-time capacity, and humanly I was pretty ill-equipped for the journey ahead, right? Um, but the Lord called me, right? Sometimes the Lord, don't you love that he calls us maybe ahead of our skill level um, or ahead of our abilities, um, he doesn't just wait until we're ready. Um, aren't you glad that he doesn't do that? Because when we're not quite ready humanly, it leaves room, I think, for the Holy Spirit to move in our midst, right? It, it, it makes us, if God does something, we know that it couldn't have been from us. It had to have been of God because we just don't have really what it takes to do whatever successful thing comes forth in that season of our lives. And I love that the Lord maybe pushes us out of the nest a little early and, and makes us fly, right? Maybe we're not quite ready to fly, but we're out of the nest and we're, we're falling down the tree and we got to spread those wings and, and get moving, right? Um, and so, <clears throat> we, because if we don't have it all together, right, we really need God, right? If we don't have all the skills and all the abilities and all the resources and all those things and we still have to step out in faith, right, we need God to show up or else we're going to look pretty dumb, right? We're going to look pretty ill-equipped. We're going to look pretty, we're going to walk into failure, right? And I don't believe that the Lord puts us in, six, in positions to fail. I believe that God constantly puts us in positions to succeed, right? And so he doesn't push us out of the nest and know that we're going to fail and, and just let us hit the ground, right? He, he wants to push us out and believe that, that we're going to see great success in our lives. God is not a he, he's not a mean God like that, right? He doesn't push us out of the nest and, and wait for us to fail. He knows that when we go forth that he's going to produce fruit in our lives. We talked about that last week, uh, that a byproduct of our obedience is fruit, right? That when we go out, when God pushes us out, when we step out, Lord, that the, the Lord is going to produce fruit, not from our own strength, but from his goodness, from his love, from his mercy, from his joy, right? It all has to be because of Jesus. And I remember those first few years of ministry, and 
uh, we had this little group that would meet together of these, these, I would call them grizzled veteran youth pastors. There's a couple guys that were at the time probably in their late 40s, early 50s, which is very old for a youth pastor. So um, there's usually an age cap at about 35. So I think I've kind of reached my ability to, to not go back to being a youth pastor um, as I just turned 35 this year. But there was a few grizzled veterans that would get together at a, at a little taqueria there in town and we would meet and we would share and we would talk about what, what was going on in this person's youth group or that one. And we would, you know, create these events together and do these different things with like see with the pole and all these other things. And they also would just encourage and support one another, right? And they would encourage and support me as a 20-year-old who didn't know anything about anything. Um, they were super encouraging for me. And they saw me as being on their team, right? Just because we went to different churches didn't mean we were on different teams, Right? We were all part of the same team with the same mission to reach young people in our city, right? It wasn't about um, this church or that church or we're going to do something better than them or they're going to do something better than us or we're going to one-up them or we're going to whatever, right? We were all on this mission together, right, to, to reach teenagers and to raise them up as disciples of Jesus, right? Isn't that the idea of the church, capital C church, not Modesto Foursquare Church, lowercase church, right? But the church, right? So that means us and the church right across the, the alley from us and First Baptist down the street and, you know, the other churches down over here. And I, whenever I drive a new neighborhood and I drive by a church, I just pray, God bless them, honor them, let the work of their hands be successful, right? We're all on the same team, Jesus's team, right? And I can remember asking one of these grizzled veterans, they're both, their names both were John, John and John. They had two youth pastors. They were such a large church, they had two of them. Um, and so I asked them if I could borrow a cotton candy machine, right? And so they were like, of course, we probably have like 12 cotton candy machines, right? And so I come over and they have this like, I, don't, I can't remember if they had this new youth room already, but they had built this really nice youth room and they had this whole big room, probably uh, the size of the balcony that was just full of cool stuff, right? Like stuff you would think was really cool as a youth pastor, like cotton candy machines and popcorn machines and sound boards and speakers and every kind of magical device you could ever think of in church, right? And, uh, and they walked me through this room and I remember them telling me, um, you know, one, come on down and borrow this cotton candy machine, but also whatever you need, you can either borrow it or you can have it because it doesn't belong to us. And I said, well, actually, I, I need a soundboard. Can I have a, yeah, they gave me like this 36-channel soundboard and it was way too big for our youth room, but they were like, they loaded it up in my pickup truck and I took it to the church. And it was just really cool because it wasn't about what they were building right? It wasn't about what I was building. It was about what God was building, right? That none of this stuff actually belonged to us anyways. It didn't belong to New Hope Church in Manteca. It didn't belong to, they were at Calvary Community Church. It didn't belong to Modesto Foursquare Church. It didn't belong to St. John's Church. It belonged to the kingdom of God, right? We were all working together. These two pastors, they understood something about the kingdom, they understood that all the churches were on the same team and that we were all working together instead of working against one another. We are part of a greater body of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And we all work together to build His church, right? Not our church, His church. Modesto Foursquare doesn't belong to us. It belongs to God, right? They understood that all they had belonged to the Lord, 
right? That it was just something, a tool to be used for the kingdom to be built, right? It was not the property, property of this congregation or that congregation, that all they had was to build up the church, right? To build up the body of Christ. And when they needed something, I was fine with giving it to them, right? There were definitely, there were youth groups that we, I remember youth pastors that would come or guys that were starting a youth group and they would say, man, that was really cool, whatever you had. And I would say, just take it, you know, because I caught that heart that these, that John and John shared with me, that it didn't belong to them. And so whatever I had didn't belong to me, right? And it kind of got to go down these different generations of youth leaders and youth pastors, right? We got to share with one another because it's about building his kingdom, not our little kingdoms, but God's big kingdom, right? It's his church. They are his resources. Everything we have belongs to Christ, and he can and he will use it however he wants, right? Sometimes, even when we don't want to give it up, God will make us give it up because he needs to use it someplace else, right? Even Cassie and I, we've always believed, we've had I don't know, multiple roommates in our lives, not because we necessarily needed the extra money, but because people needed a place to go. And so we've taken people in over the course of time because my house, it doesn't belong to me. It has my name on it and Cassie's name on it to the mortgage company, but it belongs to God. My car doesn't belong to me. My bank account, it doesn't belong to me. My stuff doesn't belong to me. And it doesn't belong to you. It belongs to God. Right? And it's all for his use and for him to build up the kingdom. Right? This principle Jesus describes in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured out into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In our generosity, God will be generous to us. And in our stinginess, God will be stingy with us. If we are clutchers, I can guarantee you God's not going to give you a whole bunch more. But if we're generous and we allow what God has given us to flow through us, right, to build what he's building, not what we're building, but if we're generous, I believe that the Lord is generous with us. Right? That's what he says here. Give and it will be given to you. Right? But if the buck stops with you, I guarantee you he's going to shut that thing down and he's going to wait until you're ready to be generous again. And so we serve an abundantly generous God. We talked about this the past several weeks, is that God, he's a God of the infinite, right? We see in the finite, right? I, I, I can log on to my phone, and I can look in my bank of Stockton account, and I can see I have X amount of dollars, right? That's a finite amount that I have. Well, God doesn't have that. He has infinite resources, right, to build all that he wants to do, right? And so sometimes we think finitely about God, and God is saying, you know, one of the phrases that we use that we've, I've heard several times in our church is let God out, out of the box, right? We've got to take the top off of God. If God has limits, it's because we've put limits on him, not because he is limited, Amen. right? He is an unlimited God. But he's only infinitely generous to us when we allow the generosity to flow through us, right? When we're about building his church and building his kingdom instead of building our own. And that's really at the heart of what Paul's going to talk about in this passage. So we're going to dive in in verse 19 and read through verse 30. We're going to be in the NIV this morning if you're in your Bibles or your phone. It says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon, that I may also be cheered when I receive the news about you. 
I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself because as a son with his father, he served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker, and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not only, not on him only, but also on me, to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy, and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for, <clears throat> to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. Sorry. <clears throat> so we find the Apostle Paul speaking of his mentee and co-worker Timothy, right? Um, he's talking about sending him back to this church in Philippi. Um, other translations describe Timothy as Paul's son um, or Paul's spiritual child, right? Timothy is a great part of the work of the gospel, not only here in Philippi, but you see him throughout the New Testament, right, in all these different letters that Paul has written, right? He, he was sent throughout the first century church. He was generously and faithfully given by Paul to the church as there was need, right? He's like, oh, you need somebody? Cool, I'm sending Timothy. He's coming to you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to bless you. He's going to honor you, right? And he would send Timothy all over the place. And Paul, in this moment, he's in prison, and he could have chosen to keep Timothy with himself. He could have been, uh, no, I'm not sending Timothy to you. I'm keeping him with me. I need him to come give me encouragement. I need him to give me companionship, right? Paul could have done that. Timothy was trained by Paul. He would not have been who he was without Paul. Paul deserved everything back from Timothy in this setting, but instead, without uh, without even thinking about it, Paul sends him back to this church in Philippi, right? He sent him back to encourage them. In verse 19, it says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon that I may also be cheered when I receive news about you. He wanted to send Timothy back to the church to encourage them and also to bring back a good report of all the things that were happening in their community, right? What an encouragement that would have been for, for Paul to send Timothy and, and for him not only to bless the church and encourage the church, but also when Timothy came back and Paul's in chains, right, to be encouraged that the work that is being done in this church is good, right? That all that Paul is going through in Rome is not for naught. It's not out of vain, right? That all the work that Paul had done and all the things he had accomplished, like, they weren't in vain, right? And so Paul says he's going to send Timothy to them Right? And unlike many of the other letters we've talked about this, the church in Philippi, they weren't in trouble. Right? They weren't getting a slap on the hand. They weren't you know, doing something wrong. Um, they were actually faithful. They were actually fruitful. God was doing a great work there. Right? They were functioning in a healthy way, a healthy church in this 
um, in this setting, and they were sharing the gospel with great passion, and they were seeing a great move of the Holy Spirit, right? There was a healthy thing going on here. And so instead of Paul kind of proverbially slapping them on the wrist, right, or giving them a list of things that they needed to do, right, go read the other letters of Paul, and you can find that. Um, Instead of doing that, I think the word that Paul is using here is more, right? Yeah, you're doing good, and you're producing fruit, but, but more. Like, you're, you're being generous, and, and they were even sending money to Paul, right? They were supporting Paul's ministry in these other places, right? They, they saw that the church was bigger than them. They saw that it was greater than Philippi. It was about Ephesus, and it was about Corinth, and it was about Rome, and it was about all these other places. But Paul is saying, yeah, you're doing this, but, but there's more, there's more I want to do. There's more I want to produce in you. There's, there's more generosity that I want to pour out of you. There's more, right? He doesn't want them to just settle into doing enough, right? He wants more, right? They had been with Paul for over a decade, encouraging him and strengthening him and giving to him and serving him. And it says that their service was not in vain. We talked about that last week. But they're being called deeper still into the plans and the generosity of God, right? Isn't that for us? God's never satisfied. He's never satisfied with what we've given. He always wants more. He always wants more of our hearts. He always wants more of our resource. He always wants more of our time. And he wants to give us more, right? It's all about more with God. It's all about the infinite with God, right? He's always challenging us I think you could go a little further. I think you can be a little bolder. I think you can be a little more generous, right? I think you can be a little more faithful. I think you can be a little more obedient, right? God is always pressing for more. He's always pressing for growth in us. As long as we're breathing air, God's going to want more, right? Verse 21 um, says this, For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. And so Paul knew that it was easy for churches and congregations to grow stagnant and complacent, right? That's our natural human state, is stagnancy, right? We don't want to move. We don't want more. We want to just be okay with being okay, right? And God wants more. He wants to push us. He doesn't want us to grow complacent. And in a lot of ways, the church in America is distracted and complacent and tired, And God is saying, no, 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 no. What I have ahead of you is greater than what I had behind you, and I need more. I need you to press into me, and as you press into me, I will press into you, and something beautiful will happen, and I will do more as you press in more, right? We don't want the church in America to die. We want it to grow. We want to see this great season of fruitfulness come forth, but we have to be willing to press in and say, God, I want more. So the Lord is calling us to stay focused and increase our generosity, increase our desire for God. In this community in Philippi, they were staying laser focused on this goal. They were were just right on the ball. They had actually sent one of their best and brightest, Epaphroditus, to be with Paul in Rome as he awaited trial. So, So they sent Timothy, Paul sent Timothy to Philippi, and they sent Epaphroditus back to Paul, right, to encourage him and to be with him, right? And this man, Epaphroditus, was called a brother, a soldier, a worker, right? He played all these different 
roles. And so Paul had called in reinforcements from this community, and he had sent reinforcements back to them. Don't you love that kind of give and take, right? That we can be a blessing to one another, that we can, you know, like I said, maybe there are things that our church has that, you know, that another church needs or, or vice versa. Like we have a Spanish church, I don't know if you even know that, that meets here on Sundays at one o'clock. And we get to share our building with them, right? And they, this is actually their podium that I switched out to. Um, but we get to be a blessing to them. And then we, we met with them a couple weeks ago and said, hey, would you be willing to help us in these different areas? And they said, yes, we would love to help you, right? We would love to be a service to you. And right, that give and take that we get to have, that this building, this space, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the kingdom of God. And that we can all work together, right, to do this mission. And so there was this give and take that was happening with the church in Philippi. And they not only sent money, but they sent people to join in the fight for the good news, right? There was this, this back and forth. And it says that Paul said that Epaphroditus was sent to take care of all of my needs, right? I love that, that he would just come and be with Paul and encourage him and love him and strengthen him, right? Don't we need that in our lives? Don't we need to be sent to people that way and encourage them and, and let them come back to us and encourage? Isn't that kind of why church exists, right? That we would build relationships, deep relationships with one another and that maybe when I'm down, Daniel could be there for me. And when Daniel's down, I can be there for Daniel. And when I need prayer, I can go to Ray. And when Ray needs prayer, he can, prayer, he can go to Mark. And this relationship that exists, this mutual encouragement, this mutual building up, isn't this a beautiful picture of what the church can be? But this is a beautiful view of the kingdom of God. Timothy was sent to the church in Philippi to lift them up and encourage them and spur them on uh, into greater levels of fruitfulness. And Epaphroditus was sent to the church in Philippi, um, back to Paul to provide financial support and encouragement while he was in chains, right? If I was in chains, I'd probably need some encouragement. If I was in prison, I'd probably need somebody to come visit me, don't you think? Maybe you wouldn't, I don't know, but um, for me. But both communities were not focused on building their own programs. They weren't focused on their own kingdoms. They were energized by the opportunity to care for one another. They were energized about the kingdom of God. They knew that they played for the same team and they had the same coach and his name was Jesus, right? I can remember a few months back, I had a burning on my heart to call a friend and offer him and his wife a break on a Sunday morning. And I don't know about you, but I've never called a friend in ministry and offered myself to teach for him that Sunday. So it's not a normal thing. Usually you wait for an invitation, right? You don't say, hey man, uh, can I just come preach at your church on Sunday? That's not usually how that goes. But I really felt like the Lord was leading me to call, and, and so I did. And I just said, hey, you know, me, you guys are on the front lines over there, and, and can, I, can I just come? And Cassie could lead worship, and I could speak for you and, and just encourage you. And they said, please, yes, please come speak and come be with us. And so we, we spent the weekend with them and let our, all of our crazy kids, like, party together. And, and um, we were able to just spend the weekend and and bless them, and bless their church, and love on them, and encourage their community, and it, and it was a kingdom weekend, right, because it's about the kingdom of God, it's about what God is doing everywhere, not just what God is doing here, right, and it was strengthened, the, the church of Jesus was strengthened by just this step of obedience that Cassie and I took, and it wasn't anything that was great about us, but we just felt like the Lord was calling us, and we, we felt like we needed to step into that, and it was, it was a beautiful moment, and, 
And I know that Modesto Foursquare is a kingdom-driven church. It's clear, right? I mean, there's a whole list of like, a whole gaggle of like pastors and leaders that this place has sent out. And they're all over the world and all over the country, right? And that's amazing, right? That's kingdom mindset, right? This is a generous community. We have plaques all over the building. I mean, there's, I mean, plaques on plaques on plaques about, you know, money that had been given to Foursquare Missions and disaster relief and all these really amazing things and these missionaries that we've sent out and all these beautiful things that have been done in our community. And, and I think that the Lord is honoring of that. I think the Lord loves that about this place. I think he loves that about these people. But I think that the word that I said earlier was what we're coming back to is more. God wants more, right? God wants us to press in more. We live in desperate and dark times. We live in times that need Jesus more than ever. We need our generosity more than ever. We need more, right? We have a great opportunity to let the gospel go forth. We have great chances to partner with other churches and organizations to change the world. I, I, I loved, I, was, I went over to visit with um, uh, Jerry and Susan Quillen, who pastor Victory Life Center, and they have this really cool ministry down, I call it series, I think it's a Modesto. Um, but they feed 7,000 families a month. 7,000 through one of their ministries. And another ministry feeds 250 people. And we know the gospel mission feeds a lot of people as well. But I was, I was there in this warehouse with them and they were telling me we've done this since 1985 and all these amazing things they were done. And you, just, you ask yourself like, well, how can Modesto Foursquare partner with that? How can we come alongside and help build the kingdom, right? How can we be a part of what God is doing here? And we, we, you know, Carlos, we love having you in our church. And how can we partner with the Gospel Rescue Mission? And how can we partner with these other organizations that are doing such amazing things in our community, right? Because we're not done, right? We're not done sending out leaders. We're not done feeding the hungry. We're not done clothing the people who need clothes. We're not done helping people find places to live. We're not done doing the ministry of the gospel, right? The life of the church is not over, right? It's vibrant, and God is still moving. And so how can we do more, right? How can we press in, not in 1990, but press in in 2022 and beyond, right? Into what God has. How can we continue to be a generous congregation? How can we be continue to be stretched to go to the mission field that's right here on James Street and is in San Francisco and is in Costa Rica and is in... Botswana and is in all the other places of the world. How can we be spurred on to more, right? Because I want us, and I think God wants of us, to be right in the center of a great and powerful movement of the Holy Spirit, right? In our nation and in our world. And I think we're poised to be there. I think God has positioned us for such a time as this, a moment like this, right? And you might be saying this morning, asking yourself, all is well and good and encouraging with what you said, but, but what do I do with that? How do I take this and, and live it out? How do, I, how do I go from here at 510 Bernie Street and, uh, and do something? And I would say, great question. I got two thoughts for you this morning. And then probably my voice will give out for the rest of today. But number one, actually three thoughts. Ask God where he wants more of your heart. That's the first movement. Everything with Jesus starts with the heart. Everything. All of it. 
Everything he does starts with our hearts. So what areas of our lives are unsurrendered to Jesus? What areas have we said, you know what, God, I'll give you this, and I'll give you that, and I'll give you that, but this part's off limits, right? That's mine. I'm going to keep that for myself, right? Where are we under, unsurrendered to Jesus? Um, maybe you've never tithed before. You've never given to the church 10% of your income, and maybe God is saying, start with 1%, and we'll work your way up, right? Maybe you're struggled to lay down unforgiveness towards somebody. Maybe you've, got, you've been holding it for 25 years and you don't know how to get rid of it, right? Maybe someone who's wronged you in the past and now it's time to lay it at Jesus' feet and to leave that in the past, right? Let him heal your heart and move on from that area of unforgiveness. Maybe there's an area of sin that you've battled for years and today is the day that God's gonna break that in your life, right? And set you free. Where does God want more of your heart? right? Where does he want you to lay that down? Number two, be open to go and do. You will learn about me very quickly. We're going to give you opportunities to serve, not just here in this building and in this space and our kids ministry and youth. There's going to be opportunities there, but we're going to go out and we're going to do stuff because that's what the Bible is about, right? That's what Philippians is about is doing stuff, right? And so a couple weeks ago, we took a team of 10 or so of us, and we walked, I don't know, probably 200 houses in our neighborhood surrounding us, and we met people, and we invited them to come to Modesto Foursquare Church. We gave them these little cards that are in the back, right? And we're going to branch out from there. One Wednesday a month, we're, we're going to go out, and we're going to pick a different neighborhood around the church, and we're going to find out ways that we can serve them and love them, encourage them, and pray for them, right? Because we're supposed to be a lighthouse here on this street and in this neighborhood, right? We should be a light in the darkness, we're going to do that. In February, we're going to take a team to San Francisco. We're going to serve on the streets of San Francisco with a friend of mine, Noah, through Urban Exchange. We're going to go over there. We're going to serve the prostitutes, and we're going to serve the street people, and we're going to serve those who are stuck in sex trafficking, and we're going to, we're going to serve those who are down and out. We're going to go over there, and we're going to serve together, right? Whoever can, we're going to go, and we're going to serve. We're going to go all over the world. At some point, we're going to take some, some mission trips to other countries and other places, right? Because every place around the world needs the gospel, right? We're going to be, um, we're going to be about missions. We're going to be about doing, right? And even if you can't physically go, you can give or you can pray, right? Those things are equally as important as going with us. Number three, we can listen for Jesus, right? Isn't this kind of the center of our Christianity I believe that the Lord has placed each one of us right where he wants us. Sometimes we want to wiggle out, right? We want to get out of where we're at. We feel like it's not good enough. But God, if you're in the place you're at right now, God has allowed you to be there because there's something you got to do, right? And so we are perfectly positioned for whatever it is that God wants to do through us. But we need to open our eyes and our ears to see what the Lord is doing right in front of us. We need to get to know our neighbors. We need to pray for those around us. We need to lean into relationships at Modesto Foursquare, right? There are people in this room that you've known for 30 years, but you don't know them. You don't, like, know them. Like, know them, know them, right? And God is asking you to lean in because we need each other. We don't just need high fives and pats on the back, and I'm good, and you're good, and we're all good, and we're all going to go out of this place good, right? We need people who are going to stand with us and walk with us and pray for us. And that requires all of us 
allowing ourselves to open up to one another, right? And to really know each other, right? We need that. We need to listen for Jesus and do what he's telling us to do. Because church, the Lord is calling us to more. He's not calling us to retirement. He's not calling us to sleepy time. He's calling us to more. He's calling us to build his church. Right? He's calling us to build his kingdom. He's calling us to be generous and other-centered. You know that Christianity is all about the person sitting next to you? It's about Jesus, of course. But it's not about you, right? It's not about what you can get from God. It's about what you can give to somebody else, right? It's about other people, right? He wants us to work alongside those in this room to live and to worship down the street and around the world, right? Knowing that we're on the same team. And in the midst of that, he's challenging us to another level of surrender, right? He's challenging us to another level of God. Okay, I'm going to open this part of my life to you. I'm going to open this part of my heart to you. I'm going to open this part of me to you, knowing that you're going to do something amazing in our midst. He's pushing us into the next chapter of going and being the body of Christ. I truly believe, I said this last week, that Modesto Foursquare's greatest season of fruitfulness is ahead of us. It's not behind us. I want this church to not live another 10 years or 15 years or 20 years. I want it to live another 100 years, right? And not limp another 100 years. I want us to thrive another 100 years because of what God is doing powerfully. And people are coming to know Jesus and people are being baptized in the Holy Spirit. People are being baptized in water. People ask me, what's my vision? My vision is people would come to know Jesus. That's the goal of the church. And they would be discipled to go lead more people to Jesus. That's my vision for all of it. That's our vision. Come to know Jesus, be discipled, and then be sent back out to go lead more people to Jesus. That's why we're here. That's why we breathe. Otherwise, We'd be like Elijah. We'd get saved and we'd beam right up to heaven. We'd all be done, right? If you're here with breath, God still has something to do. I'm going to have the worship team come on back up. And all of this, I want you to know it's going to be fun, right? It's going to be awesome, right? Last week, when Marianne, who's not here this morning, and she comes up here and gets prayed for and she takes her back brace off because she feels like she's healed from the Holy Spirit. That's fun, right? When somebody in our service raises their hand to come to know Jesus and their life has been transformed, that's fun, right? When we meet somebody on the street over here on James Street and we pray for them because they're going through something, that's fun. That's joy-filled. Serving Jesus is awesome. And it's challenging. And it's hard. And he's going to call us to do things and we say, God, I don't want to do that. But it's fun. When we have baptisms at some point, we, we bring people out of the water up here on the stage and they come out of the water because they're a new creation in Christ. That's fun. Right? I want to have some fun with Jesus. Do you? Let's build his kingdom. So this morning, I'm going to give two invitations. You can go ahead and play a little keys. That'd be great in the background. Number one, if you're here this morning, you've never met Jesus. Today's the day of salvation. He wants to bring you into his family and into his kingdom. He loves you and he cares for you. And you know that something's missing in your heart. Ecclesiastes says that God has placed eternity in the hearts of all men and women. 
right? We know that we need a Jesus. We don't even know. We might not know his name. We might not know who he is. We might not know where to get him, but we know we need him. And so if that's you this morning, God wants you to welcome him into your life and your life will never be the same. Never be the same. And number two, if you're in here and you know Jesus, he wants more. He wants more. He wants more of your life. He wants more of your surrender. He wants more of your generosity. He wants more of you. And are you ready to go deeper with the Lord? Are you allow, ready to allow Him to be a greater part of your life? Are you willing to let Him push you out in new areas that maybe are uncomfortable or feel strange at first? Because God wants more. Would you stand with me, church? If you feel like that's resonating with you, if you could just close your eyes and put yourself in a posture of just worship and surrender to Jesus. And if you feel like you just want more of Jesus, I just want you to lift your hand. I want to pray for you. I want to encourage you. Jesus, you see all these hands lifted, young and old, God, of all generations, Lord, and they want more of you, God. They want more of your Holy Spirit. They want more of your power. They want more of your strength. They want more of your generosity, God. They want more of you. They're saying, God, my journey is not over. You have not, you're not done with me, God. I want to be used by you, God. I want to be moved by you, God. I want to be empowered by you, God, to go forth and to build your church and to build your kingdom and to see people come to know Christ, to see all the fruits of the Holy Spirit move, God. And even more than that, God, you want to reach into our hearts, all these unsurrendered areas, all these areas of brokenness and pain, God. You want to heal those things. You want to restore those things. You want to let us walk in forgiveness, God. Anything that would hold us back or hinder us, any area of sin, God, you want to break that in the name of Jesus this morning so that we wouldn't be entangled by the plots and plans of the enemy, but we would be able to go forward in freedom and in hope, God, knowing that we are unencumbered by the enemy of our souls, but we can walk forward in what you have for our lives, God. Break those things in the name of Jesus and allow us to go forward by your Spirit. Let the season ahead for Modesto Foursquare be even greater than any season behind. Let us see another hundred years of fruitfulness, God, of salvations, of your moves of your Spirit, God. We trust you. We love you, Jesus. We want more of you, God. We want more of you, God. Let us worship you, God, in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's, let's worship the Lord this morning, church. And if you